Now, Andrew, what do you like? <laughs> Hazelnut, because his dad's not here. Okay. Have you got it? You've already got it. <laughs> okay. Summer rolls. I would, uh, I would um, genuinely uh, encourage you to grab one of these. Uh, they are brilliant. Um, so, I once had a birthday and uh, Pam bought me a box of summer rolls. Far out. It took me three days to get through them, but I managed. <laughs> I managed. <laughs> There's only 30 in the box. So, 10 a day. Uh, anyway, we do want to honour you today, dads, and and just well done, and grandfathers and dads today. And you know, sometimes as dads who sometimes uh, have been a father. Do you, do you know it's more than just being around, just being present? A father is someone who engages, isn't it true? Engages in uh, their family's life. And sometimes there's dads who never necessarily father children, but they just care for people or care for kids. And that's brilliant. So we acknowledge you today. It's a wonderful thing. Uh, you know, there was a dad whose wife said to him, Honey, I just, uh, I just need a night off. And I was wondering whether you'd look after our three-year-old and... And he said, not a problem, honey. You, you go out with the ladies, have a great night. Our little girl, she'll be fine. I'll look after her. In his head, he's thinking, that's the night of the grand final of my football, my team's playing the grand final. He says, I'll be able to watch that. She'll just be around and she'll, it'll be cool. He didn't say that to his wife, but he was thinking how he's going to work it. Uh, and so that night came, he's sitting in the lounge. He's got the grand final on the big screen television. The little girl was cooperating really well. She's playing with her little tea set at his feet and just enjoying herself and Every now and then she would, uh, he would acknowledge her, but he was very engrossed in his game. And she came up eventually with a little cup, you know, the little tea sets, a little cup of water, and, and he drank it, uh, you know, looking at the screen. He said, oh, that's beautiful, and kind of engaged back, back on the television. Uh, and moments later, she came back with another little cup of water, and he, he, he goes, oh, thank you. Oh, that was beautiful. She must have been encouraged by his comment. And he says, you make incredible tea. And he went back to his game. And the third time she comes up with the cup and he's, uh, he's, he's looking at it. He drinks it again quickly and he watches. And then he just has this thought. There was a break in play and he, where's she getting the water from? <laughs> She's not big enough to reach the kitchen sink. And so she, he follows her for the four, on the fourth time round and into the toilet she goes and dipping it into the toilet bowl and she turns around and he's right there and she says, Daddy, here's another one for you. They literally, literally that man took a cake of soap and washed out his mouth. <laughs> I don't know what that really did because he's already swallowed it. But anyway, do you know, uh, uh, guys today, uh, the truth is, is that uh, we have to, there's many things that we do for our families. Uh, we'll protect them, we'll provide for them. Uh, but, you know, one of the greatest things we can do is engage with them in a relationship, isn't it? Uh, and, and sometimes what that involves, of course, is, is actually not just talking to them, but listening to them as well. Other times it'll, it'll mean being patient as you wait in the car for them to finish that teenager daughter to finish shopping or maybe someone's on the sporting field and you're just patiently watching and waiting and being there for them or whatever it may mean today. Uh, maybe it's putting aside your favorite thing to do their favorite thing. Uh, there's a myriad of things 
And when you've done it all, you have to front up the next day and do it again. And that's what dads, dads want. And, and so I was thinking, you know, we can be present sometimes as dads, but the thing is, I think our families need us more than just present. They need us to be engaged in relationship with them. And as I contemplated that thought, I thought it'd be amiss to just talk about just the child-father relationship today, because the, our lives are made up of a myriad of relationships. It's not just father uh, uh, children. It's not just you know. There's a myriad of relationships. And why not look across the broad spectrum today and talk about the reality of all the relationships for all all of us that we face? Because you know whether it's husbands and wives in relationship or or whether it's parents and children, or children and parents, or maybe it's those friends uh, and those colleagues that you have or at work, or maybe it's a sister or a brother, or it's, it's, it's your neighbor. Uh, there's a, lots of relationships that we engage in on a daily basis. And so I thought I won't just pick on the dads today, is that okay? Uh, but today we'll just talk about all the relationships general for all of us. Because the reality is healthy, sorry, the quality of our relationships, the quality of life, I should say, largely rises and falls on all of our relationships. And, and in fact, if we're going to get along in life, we have to learn to get along with people because God made us to be a relational being, didn't he? He made us to be a relational being. And, and the very fact that we even engage in a thing called church, a part of that is because we get this opportunity to relate and communicate and talk together and support each other. And so healthy relationships, I'm very aware, can bring great joy, that feeling of belongness, belonging, and that contentment in life. Relationships can be a powerful, wonderful thing in our lives. That's why we have uh, you know, and not all of us are married and some of us don't get, won't get married. That's cool. But that's why we have marriage. That's why we have friends. That's why we, you know, do certain things that, that um, allows healthy relationships to continue to grow and be a part of our lives. You know, one of the greatest destructive things to a person's life is to put them in solitary confinement away from other people. It destroys people's lives, destroys people's lives. So we need, and, and God created us for a relationship. So healthy relationships bring incredible joy and they can bring that contentment. But also I'm very aware that strained relationships can bring pain and stress and loneliness as well. As much as healthy is incredible, the other side of the coin that a strained or broken relationship can great, bring great pain. And maybe today you feel the part of that. Maybe there's a broken relationship in the family, your family, or maybe there's a broken relationship with a person you knew. Maybe it's a neighbor that you struggle with. And it's so easy sometimes for relationships just to go downhill really quick. I was, I was in, um, in, in 2019, I had an incredible opportunity with my family, my extended family, Michelle's uh, other two sisters and their husbands and their children. We went, because uh, Michelle's got some Italian background, we went to Italy to meet up with some of our distant relatives who we'd never met. And, and in that process, we went to Sicily. Sicily's the little island, uh, not so little really, at the end of Italy there. And, and we went to, a, we found ourselves in a beautiful little village or, or town on the seaside of Sicily, on the, on the top end of Sicily, called Santa Vincla. Santa uh, Vigla Capo. 
Interesting, I just had to get that one right. Uh, and, uh, and that night, as a family, uh, there was about uh, 10 or 11 of us. We all sat, and there was a, lot, a street of, of uh, restaurants, and all their tables and chairs are out on the street, and it's just a lovely atmosphere. The weather's just incredibly perfect, and, and we're eating our food. And I, was, I had some rubbish, and I don't remember why I had this rubbish, but it was just some paper that I wanted to dispose of. And I saw a couple um, bins just over to my left on the other side of the street. And so I took it, I walked over there. They were wheelie bins, you know, wheelie bins actually produced in all parts of the earth, uh, the world. And uh, there was two of them, but I just opened the lid of the first one, dumped my rubbish in there. And as soon as I dumped it in there, there was this lady from my right came over to me and she started to speak to me in uh, Italian in in a rather um, animated way. Italians speak a lot with their hands and very direct at you. Do you know what I'm talking about? I hope you can sympathize. I got part Italian wife. No, she's cool. So this lady started to speak to me and blah, blah, blah. And, and I said, English, I'm English. I can speak English. And she started to give to me English, broken English. And I made out the fact that there were two bins and one bin was for uh, recycle and the other bin was for all the other th- uh, types of things. And I'd throw in my recycle and all the other types. And so she was telling me, you shouldn't do that, blah, blah, blah. She was quite irate about it. And then my my... My brother-in-law, who's born in Australia but has an Italian family, Michelle's sister married an Italian into Italian family, and he came over. He could speak Italian, and initially I'm like, "Lady, you're joking. I'm I'm a foreigner, you know. I, you know, I'm no good." She probably didn't understand my English. I'm saying, oh, look, you know, it's okay. I, I didn't try to do this on purpose. He came over and he started to speak to an Italian. Well, it was on to Italians. And he'd go like that, and she got and I'm thinking, what are they talking about? Anyway, I thought, we've got to get an end to this, you know. And, uh, and so I just lifted the bin where I'd thrown the rubbish, and I reached it. Actually, I couldn't reach it. I had to get to the, close to the bottom. I put my body in. I took the, took the rubbish out. I lifted it, and I opened the lid of the other one and put it in there. And I said, see, 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 see. She understood that. <laughs> and finally... She walked away, and, and, and I thought, oh, gee, did we just mess that up? We could have. Maybe I'll never see this lady again in my life, but, you know, I could get to heaven, and she's there, and, I, and she'll say, you did not, you know. You, because, look, I've come to understand something about relationships that sometimes are strained, and it's this. Um, when relationships become strained, initial responses can be that the other person must be at fault. Now, she was thinking that about me, and she would have been true. I put it in the wrong bin. It would have helped if they'd put a sign on the bins, recycle, and, uh, and other rubbish, and not in Italian, in English. <laughs> it would have helped. But then again, our first response, and certainly my brother Gatano, his first response was just, you know, I think the Italian way is just to yell at each other for a while. I think that's the way they do it. Anyway, my, our initial response was to be upset with each other. And to, and to think of all the reasons the other person had the faults and there was no, and, play, and, and thus never look at the reasons of maybe how I engaged in this situation and made it a little bit strange. I, I, afterwards, I thought about it and I thought, gee, yeah, I did, I, d- I did initially respond not well. And you know, it, you know and, and for all of us, sometimes the reason we, we say, well, I'm upset and I'm angry and I'm annoyed, I'm frustrated. It's because they spoke to me harshly. Or you should have seen the look on their face. And this is sometimes the way we initially can respond because they got the character issue 
and it's affecting our relationship. And you know what I've discovered that I have in the past, and maybe we all can to a point, we tend to assign to other people the responsibility for how we feel to other people. The responsibility for our relationship, we assign it to them. Well, it's because of what they said. It's because of what they did. Our relationship's gone astray. Jesus actually had something to say about this. And this, and this can happen in, in, in families. It can happen in workplaces. It can happen in friendship groups. It can happen in our sporting team sometimes. And Jesus had something to say about this. He says in Matthew 7, 1 to 5, he says, Do not judge or you too will be judged. For in the same way you judge others, you will be judged. And with the measure you use, it will be measured to you. Why do you look at the speck of sawdust in your brother's eye or your, or your sister's eye and pay no attention to the what in your own eye? The plank, hey? How can you say to your brother or sister, let me take the speck out of your eye when all the time there's a plank in your own eye? And, and Jesus then got very quite direct he says you hypocrite first take the plank out of your own eye and then you'll see clearly to remove the speck from your brother's eye you know sometimes when it comes to seeing other people's faults i have 2020 vision because i can see the speck so easily in everybody else's eye and jesus is saying when it comes to then seeing my own flaws it seems that we go blind what problem what problem <laughs> and we can be quick to think that we ha they have the problem we never give any consideration that we had something to do with this relationship breakdown so this is where can i say this this is where knowing jesus personally can make a real difference in our relationship and you may ask um what's the difference what difference does a faith in god uh, make to the way I relate and communicate with other people and if you ask that question I'm glad you asked that question because it's a great question uh, because Christianity folks is not a mere it's not merely a code of ethics it is that but it's not merely a code of ethics but Christianity is having a personal faith in, in uh, Jesus Christ and and then when you have that faith in Christ he, he sends his presence or his Holy Spirit into our lives and then it starts to change us from the inside out and, and, it, and it's amazing what His presence through the Holy Spirit can do. If there, if there was ever an example of a guy in the Bible uh, who gives, the Bible gives us the opportunity and the liberty to see him before he had an encounter with Jesus and afterwards. And his name's Paul. And before he encountered Jesus, um, he was arrogant and proud and harsh. The way he spoke to people was harsh. In actual fact, he, he was a part of uh, some of them, uh, people being murdered, even though he didn't do it himself personally. His, his, his group of friends, the people he hung out with did, and he was a part of that. He was the leader of that. And so he was a harsh man. It was, you, you wouldn't want to meet Paul before he, met, before he came to Jesus Christ. He, he was not a nice person. But then he had an encounter with Jesus Christ, and it's amazing how he changed. He was so much better how he treated people, way better. In actual fact, Paul then went on to write all these wonderful little letters to a whole bunches of Christians. The very people he, he wanted, he was persecuting, he now he wrote so many incredible um, letters to them. And one of them was this group of people in Galatia, and it was called Letter to the Galatians. And in, in, in chapter 5, verse 22 and 23, he, he says, this is what Paul writes. Paul would have never written this before he knew Jesus, but after Jesus, this is what he writes. He says, you know, but the fruit of the Spirit 
is, what is it, love? And then joy, and then peace, and then patience, and then kindness, and then goodness, and then faithfulness, and gentleness, and self-control. There's nine there. He wrote words like that. What an incredible, when you, and when you read the Bible, and, and, you, and you apply those kind of principles or those things to your life, and you see what the Holy Spirit can do, it's amazing if you allow the Holy Spirit to actually bring His nature with all those fruits into our lives, it has the power to wash our attitudes and mindsets so that how we treat others is so much better. So much better. And notice their fruit. They're not works. They're not something you've got to go, you never see a tree trying to produce fruit and straining there. No, if a tree is planted in something healthy, in soil and sunlight and water, it's amazing how the tree will just produce fruit naturally, isn't it? And it's the same with our lives. It's amazing. If you plant yourself in something healthy, you're going to find fruit grows. And just that, the love, the joy, the very fruit of the Holy Spirit, which can just be a part of our lives. And it's amazing how it affects how we treat others. I love it. I wouldn't be the person I am without it. I wouldn't be as nice. I don't know about you. I use it probably incredibly nice all the time, but you know. See, there was a guy called Matthew Henry. He's a great Bible commentator. I've got his book, a hard copy. I've also got his, his commentary online but one of the he said this one of the evidences of the holy spirit at work in our hearts is we become more agreeable with each other that's pretty mild terms but it's a good thought a good word when one of the evidences of the holy spirit at work in our hearts the presence of god at work in our hearts is we become more agreeable and there's one thing i've noticed in the last three years during covid is that people have not become they've not become more agreeable they've become more aggressive if anything, sometimes COVID has polarized people and, 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 it's, and, and it's more arguments and there's more division sometimes. And I, I think that's sad because our society hasn't become agreeable. It's become unfriendly, if anything, a little bit. I'm not saying that's everywhere. I'm not saying that's a pretty general statement. But I, I just think that we've got a great opportunity in this season um, to demonstrate the power of the good news of Jesus and the difference the Holy Spirit can make in our hearts by the way we treat other people. And I think that's what Paul was uh, talking about. See, when the Holy Spirit's presence comes, it's amazing how less moody, less uptight, less flying off the handle, less angry, less jumping on other people's faults we become. And the Holy Spirit literally does the change in the way we treat other people. So in saying that this, this morning, why don't, just for a moment, I just take a couple of those mentioned in Galatians chapter 5 verse 22 and just talk about them because I think there's a way that Paul wrote them for a reason but sometimes we kind of know them we can quote those fruit of the spirit but we never really engage them and think about what they really mean in regards to how we treat other people so let's take the first one today love 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 is at the top of the list did you notice because it's the foundational attribute of I think of our our belief and our Christian walk. It's the foundational one because all the other virtues of peace and joy and kindness and gentleness and self-control, I think they flow out of love, don't you? John actually wrote about it in the Bible. This guy, he was a, John the um, disciple, he was the one that the Bible says um, loved God a real lot, Jesus a real lot. He was one of the inner three, Peter, uh, you know, James and John. And John wrote in the Bible and it's, 
and he said it's very hard to actually know God, who God is without understanding his love. Love is one of the proofs of the relationship that you have with God, one of the proofs. Because in 1 John 4, 8, it says, whoever, um, we've got that, whoever does not love does not know God because God is love. And you know, we've got to, maybe we should just define love because love can mean a lot of different things to a lot of people. Sometimes love can, for some of us, it can mean all oh, that soppy emotional thing. You don't want to get too soppy or emotional. Uh, or other people can think of love and all they think of is sex or sensuality. And, and that's a part of our culture, unfortunately. Now, love, honestly, can be probably those things. But here, what John is saying, he's not talking about it. He's talking about a, a word that you're, a lot of you are familiar with, um, um, you know, in the original um, Greek, and it's agape. And this love means to, it means many things, but it means to serve a person for their good because they have intrinsic value. To serve a person for their good because they have intrinsic value. And what's that intrinsic value? I mean, it means you're just, when you were born, you were not born as a mistake or an accident. You were made because you have incredible value as a human. God didn't create you or make a mistake when he created you. You got it in value. You're a valuable person. Now, other people mightn't think that or say that, and you might have been treated badly in life, but I want to tell you that you have intrinsic value. There's something that's special and important about you. And so loving other people is treating them for what in their intrinsic value. Not always just seeing the outward hard shell or the, the offensive person, but looking a little deeper and seeing that they're incredible people and they're just like us. And so that's what this love is about. And I've discovered that love has a counterfeit, <laughs> And the counterfeit of love is selfish affection. And selfish affection is really simple. It's where you treat other people well because they make you feel good about yourself. And, you know, this, that's a surface love because, because of how they make us feel. But if that relationship is the last, you have to move past the feeling of just selfish affection because real love asks us to love people for who they are, not just for what they can, how they make us feel. And the love that John is talking about there, where he says, loving God, he's speaking about is not just self-serving, but self-giving. Self-giving. And if our relationships are to resemble anything of the, of, the, of the Jesus Christ who we worship, they must be first marked by self-giving and, self, and, and serving love. Love. Here's a thought. If my success was based upon not measured by, uh, if it was measured by the house I live in, in the cars I own, or the whatever, the wardrobe I wear with the, um, you know, uh, the clothes, the, you know, the uh, brand names, or, or maybe the, the, uh, uh, the promotion I got, if, 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 if my success was measured by that, and it is measured, unfortunately, a lot of the time by that, um, what, it, what if it was measured by those things, and, and what if it was not measured by that, but it was measured by the way that I love others. Because I've been to enough funerals in my life, and you maybe have too, they don't talk about the wardrobe or the car or the bank balance. They talk about the way the person loved or served others. Isn't that what's... So maybe at the end of our lives, our success really will be based on that. 
Paul actually um, goes on to speak something about this. He, he says in 1 Corinthians 13, I won't read the passage to you, but he, he says, it doesn't matter how gifted I am. It kind of does. It's great to have gifts and to use them and to be wonderful. There's some of you who are just incredibly gifted people. But it doesn't matter how much sometimes in the end, those things are, no, are not more important than something else because it doesn't matter even, Paul says, how much I know. If I don't love others, I have nothing and I've gained nothing, he says. And, and, and it's, it's love in our lives for others that's the lasting substance that is the thing that truly matters at the end of the day. And Paul goes on in 1 Corinthians 13. He gives this list of what love is. He gives this definition. He says, love doesn't envy. Wow, love doesn't boast. Love doesn't exhibit pride. Love's not rude. <laughs> have, you, have you ever met a person who's so convinced that they're right that, that, that about something that they, it makes them think that they can give, it gives them permission just to be rude? And then you've got to deal with it. When your attitude, you're upset with them. It's just being, I was, my dog was barking years ago, about four years ago, and my neighbor who lives behind me came and confronted me one morning in my front yard. I, I didn't have never met her because between us and her, it, there's a, I've got a, she's kind of on another higher level um, in her block of land. And, and so, and there's just a whole lot of bush um, things, plants, and that we don't, can't see really. But I met her that day because she came to my front yard and, 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 I, and I kind of, um, and then she started to talk to me and, and I wish I could tell you it was a dialogue where two of us were talking about it and understanding each other, but it was a monologue. Um, and she was telling me what she thought of me and she was just, whew, she didn't give up. She didn't, she didn't even stop for a breath for about th uh, 45 seconds. She just ripped it. And, um, and, I, and you know what? Um, she was right. My dog had been barking at the most inappropriate times, and I, I wish that wasn't the case. I, try, I would always try and stop my dog from doing that. That dog's dead now, so we're cool. Um, but um, just so you're knowing. <laughs> it's one way to sort out the problem with your neighbor, isn't it? Just kill the dog. <laughs> I didn't kill the dog. It, it died. It died. Um, I did love the dog, but anyway... So she's just ripping it into me about this dog. And, and I wanted to say to her, I wanted to, I didn't even get a chance to apologize to her. She just, I, I think she must have been building up over days, days, you know. And, and finally, she's got this opp opportunity. She just let rip. And, and, she, and so I, I wanted to say, uh, you're right, I'm sorry. I, I've been trying to control my little, it's only a little dog, folks. It was just a little Maltese cross. Issue. So it wasn't like a big bark, but anyway, um, you know, um, but you know, uh, so she is right, but I just thought she's probably got, if she only she'd stop being so rude, we could just communicate and talk and become neighbors, but it didn't happen. And her parting comment to me was, and you're a pastor, I've been talking to your neighbors. That's what she said, and you're a pastor and you should love your neighbor. Well, you know, I, I, I did allow it to make me feel about that big. I thought, far out. And I went to go, and she says, and she just turned and left. <laughs> I was on my roof um, about a year later, um, and she was in her backyard, and, uh, and she just poof, turned it back and walked away. And I thought, oh, Lord. 
And I was thinking, you know what I thought about it? If I'm ever like that, just slap me, God. I might be right, but my attitude makes it so wrong. And you know, you, you and I have got to stop that because we got to, this is what Paul is saying. You know, don't be, you know, love is not rude. Um, then he goes on, he's, and, you know, look, I want to say, th- because sometimes we can, we can come into our homes and we can think, well, I'm the boss or I'm the leader here and I'm, you know, and I'm right and I'm going to get this sorted out. No, sometimes we've just got to give a little grace and realize you might be right, but just, just present it with a little bit of kindness. It could change the atmosphere in your home. Anyway, Paul goes on, he says, keep no records of wrongs. Whoa, I remember what you said to me 10 years ago and I'm not going to forget it. And we, ha- we can have a memory of an elephant when it comes to remembering what everybody did to us. But a mem- we need a memory of a goldfish. Forgive and forget. They tell me, well, I was trying to work this out, but elephants apparently remember for decades. Goldfish can f- apparently can swim from one side of the bowl to the other and forget what they just thought on that side. Who knows? Who taps into a goldfish's brain anyway? I don't know. But you got the point. And then Paul says, love does not delight in evil. And we may read these, all these things in the Bible and, and it says, I, you know, how in the world can I ever love like that? Can I just be honest with you? You cannot love like that, folks. You can't love like that. Because if you have no love in your heart to start with, you can't love like that. But I want to tell you, there's a source. Because in uh, John, actually, 1 John John wrote something else in this little, little letter. And he said this in John chapter 4, 9 to 11. He says, this is how God showed his love among us. He sent his one and only son into the world that we might live through him. And this is love, not that we love God, but that he loved us and sent his son as an atoning sacrifice for our sins. Dear friends, God so loved us, we also also ought to love what? One another. Do you want the source of incredible love? It's, the, it's Jesus Christ himself. It's through God's son. Who knows, it's really easy sometimes to love Jesus Christ or to, um, you know, affirm and, and appreciate Him. He's perfect, but it's much harder to love the other people in our world. You know, it, that's what people say sometimes. Love Jesus, just can't handle, can't stand the people in that church. <laughs> well, I tell you what, um, if, if we're all... <laughs> If we were, none of us are perfect, and if it was only, if we had a sign at the front door, only for perfect people, there'd only be one person here, the Holy Spirit. (laughs) See, when you and I focus ourselves afresh on the grace and the kindness that we have received in Jesus, it can transform our hearts and and deposits His love within us, so we're able to love others who are disagreeable with us because we can't do it on our own. That's the wonderful thing about Christ. He didn't wait for us to be agreeable with him before he died on the cross. Jesus didn't die on the cross saying, I'm giving my life for humanity because they're so compatible with me. (laughs) They were never compatible with him. Jesus was the first to reach out to a world that was unlovable and they didn't acknowledge him. Well, many did. Many have, I mean, of the nine billion plus people, um, apparently is getting close to a third of that. I might, be, I might be totally, not totally, a third of that has a belief in the Lord. That's a growing faith across the world. So we can take heart at that. 
in Jesus Christ. But he was the first to reach out. We love because he first loved us. That's the only way I can possibly do it. Because he first, you know, we just the worship this morning, just sensing his presence and just, just um, that, that sense of, man, he's my champion. I just was having that revelation of that this morning. And he's my, I don't have to be anything except just know that he's my champion. He's fighting for me. I think far out, how great a love is he for me? And you may think the application to this little word love today is, well, all I've got to do, what you're saying to me, James, this morning is I've just got, I just need to love more. No, that's not what I'm saying. I'm not saying that at all. What I, I am saying is um, this. The right application to this little thought today is to fall more in love with Jesus Christ. Because when you do... What flows out of that is some incredible fruit, natural fruit called love. It flows naturally. Refocus on the love he showed me, the sacrifice he made, and we find that the love we need to extend grace and love to the people who are not so lovely. So that's the love thing. And I just want to take a moment just to go on one more is that okay there's a whole nine but we won't do that if, you, if you're thinking we're going to look at the whole nine this morning I'm sorry <laughs> but the truth is, is is that this this word the next word after love is joy and it says joy and just real quick joy you know it's an interesting word because joy is not just simply happiness or good vibes did you know that you know that don't you it's not happiness or good it's not when my team wins all the time my team if I, you know, you've got your team, my team lost last night. It's cool. I'm still here. I've still got a smile. I, I did eat a whole box of um, summer rolls. <laughs> I went to it. No, I didn't. <laughs> but the Broncos lost. That's cool. They're not in the final eight. Anyway, the joy is... The joy is short-lived if I'm going to be living from week to week on so-called things that I think will make up my, my life happy or, or joyful. It's going to be short-lived. The type of, that type of joy is not really joy, but just a jubilation that based on conditions. Would you agree? That's the kind of joy that leads to mood swings when our fortune changes. And I can be the best person in the world until something happens and life gets a bit tough. And then I'm grumpy and I snap at people. I'm irritable. I'm not, you know, I'm, I'm not just, anyway, I don't really have joy when I just have a surface level happiness based on the circumstances of my day. I think we can understand that. But joy, on the other hand, is a delight. And can I say this? Joy is a delight in God for the sheer beauty and worthy, and, and the worthiness of who He is. And you may say, that's a little deep. Just to have joy for the sheer beauty and worthiness of who Jesus is. But it's true. 1 Peter 1.8 says, Though you have not seen Him, you love Him. And even though you do not see Him now, you believe in Him and are filled with an inexpressible and glorious joy. What is Peter talking about? You can be filled with an inexpressible joy in knowing Christ. Well, in simple terms, yes. But Peter's writing here in 1 Peter to a church who are facing trials and persecutions. And yet Peter says, 
I can see your joy. You're filled with joy. Even though you're being persecuted, you're being martyred for your faith. He says you are filled with an enduring joy because it's not connected to your circumstances, but to an enduring understanding of who Jesus is. It's in Him we live and move and have our being. I think it is. That's still true. See, who knows what a, that a joy that is based on my circumstances won't help me becoming a consistent person because life has good times and bad times. And are you that person who's up and down one day in the same day? Or maybe it would be good to have a moment of reflection on where you have anchored your joy because is, in the in, is it in the inconsistency of world events or is it in the consistency of Jesus Christ? Paul also says this, he says, rejoice in the Lord always. And I say it again, rejoice. Do you notice it says rejoice in Him there, rejoice in the Lord? You know, um, because in the world, there's a lot of things that want to give you uh, elements of joy, but it's really surface level stuff. No real peace sometimes. And the secret is not who you know, is not what you know, but who you know, and it's knowing Him. I think you get the point. Stop getting your joy from the headlines of each day and get it from the headline maker, who they never write about, Jesus Christ. Now, why does this got to do with the relationships? It's amazing, folks, how my relationship changes when I start to draw, not from other human beings in my life, going back to that selfish affection, not trying to draw from them because they cannot fulfill you. They're limitless, sorry, they're limits on their, my wife is limited. I'm limited to what I can do for my wife, but it's amazing when we stop drawing, trying to draw from others or draw from things or draw from a bank balance, what, that joy and start to see that go to the limitless God, go to the, the one who always has grace and mercy, the one that always has everything that we could ever want in life and for living, the inexhaustible grace and kindness, and let him show you uh, what it is, and you'll find that in actual fact, the Bible in Isaiah 12, 3 says that we need to go and you can, with joy, you can draw water from the wells of salvation. In other words, from Jesus Christ said that himself, even though it was written in Isaiah, he, he said it one day in, in the, at the end of a festival uh, called the Festival of Feasts. And he stood up and he says, you know what? You've got to draw water from the wells of salvation. We can be trying to draw from human relationship. What was only ever meant to be drawn from the wells of salvation. And we can place an impossible expectation on people, on spouses, on friends, expecting that them to be your savior, which they can't. They are not limitless and inexhaustible in their grace and kindness. But let me tell you is, it's Jesus. And if you go to the well of salvation, you'll find your joy that is amazing. But how you can go to your relation, then go to your relationships, not feeding from, uh, from them, but rather to serve them and to help them, to provide for them. Why? Because you've learned to get from from Jesus only what he can provide and when I've learned the true source of my joy it makes me a more positive person it makes me a more consistent person it makes me a more hopeful person and that is so much better to be that than the alternative because the world can't give it to me and the world when you've got what God's got for you he can't take it or what away so in saying all that, relationships can be incredibly powerful and, and encouraging. 
and sustaining, and they were always meant to be that. And I want to encourage us. But also relationships can be quite painful and disorientated and destructive. Don't let it get to that. Are we going to get it perfect? No, we're not. But I'm just glad that I can be connected, hooked, anchored to a perfect Heavenly Father. And I can see the way that He lived because He showed us through Jesus. And, and if it was to, to love other people, I can't do it. But in Him, it becomes a little easier. To have true joy, I can't do it. But in Him, I can live and move. So my prayer today would be that you would be filled with His presence through the Holy Spirit. And in your life that you'll experience all that He's got. So how about we stand today as the team come. And we close. And we're just going to worship one more time today. And I'd invite you just to allow us the Holy Spirit just for His presence, more of Him, less of you. That's what John the Baptist said, just more of Jesus, more less of myself. He needed it. <laughs> he faced incredible trial. Because He's the joy giver, He's the love transferrer to us that we need. And I, I, I'm going to continue uh, with this little series, but uh, today we'll just leave it at that. So for a moment... Will we just be reflective and just say, Father, come, Holy Spirit, just need you. I acknowledge that I haven't got it all right sometimes in my relationships. Even maybe you came today and you had a little argument with your spouse or with the kids or then the kids with the parents. Well, it's a good time just to take some moments just to reconcile, not now, but sometime today and or just at least reconcile with your Heavenly Father. Humble yourself. And, and you know, it, it, and so often our initial response can be it's their fault when we need to acknowledge what part we played in it. So let's just for a moment sing this beautiful song, hey? And I tried so hard to see it Took me so, so long, long to believe it That you choose someone like me To carry your victory Perfection could never end You give what we don't deserve it you take the broken things and raise them to glory. You are my champion. Giants fall when you stand undefeated. Every Now I 
Father, today, as we stand before you and we thank you that you are the champion that literally won it for us. You didn't come to present yourself as someone high and mighty. You come to present us before your heavenly Father and say, receive them, God. Forgive them, God. And so we're thankful for that, that you loved us. I'll never understand how much you love us, but I pray that I can get a little grasp of it a little bit. It's not selfish love, it's internal love. And you know, as you impart that same love into me, that you can strengthen me to love others the same way. And the joy that you give, Father, is incredible to sometimes comprehend. But it's past what happens in this world. It's above that. It's what happens in, through you in me, your joy in you today. So help us to have that, Father. We ask for it. And we thank you for it because you give freely. And we give you all the honor and all the praise in Jesus' name. And everyone said, amen. Have a great day. Encourage someone today. Fathers, if you're going to lunch, you're always welcome to come back for the sausage sizzle. That'll be fine.